We'll begin reading in verse number 1, and I'll read down through verse number 14 this morning. The Bible says in Acts chapter 1, verse 1, The former treaties have I made, O Theopolis, of all that Jesus began both to do and to teach until the day in which He was taken up. After that, He, through the Holy Ghost, had given commandments unto the apostles whom He had chosen, to whom also He had showed Himself alive after His passion by many infallible proofs, being seen of them forty days, and speaking of the things pertaining to the kingdom of God. And being assembled together with them, commanded them that they should not depart from Jerusalem, but wait for the promise of the Father, which, saith he, ye have heard of me. For John truly baptized with water, but ye shall be baptized with the Holy Ghost not many days uh, hence. When they therefore come together, they asked of him, saying, Lord, wilt thou at this time restore again the kingdom to Israel? And he said unto them, It is not for you to know the times or the seasons which the Father hath put in his own power. But ye shall receive power after that the Holy Ghost has come upon you. You shall be witnesses unto me, both in Jerusalem and in all Judea and in Samaria and in the uttermost part of the earth. And when he had spoken these things, while they beheld, he was taken up, and a cloud received him out of their sight. And while they looked steadfastly toward heaven as they went up, behold, two men stood by them in white apparel, which also said, Ye men of Galilee, why stand ye gazing up into heaven? This same Jesus, which is taken up from you into heaven, shall so come in like manner as you've seen him go into heaven. Then they, re- then, they, uh, then they returned unto Jerusalem from the mount which is called Olivet, which is from Jerusalem, a Sabbath day's journey. And they were come in, they went up into the upper room, where abode both Peter and James and John and Andrew and Philip and Thomas and Bartholomew and Matthew, James the son of Alphaeus, Simon the Zealots, and Judas the brother of James. These all continued with one accord in prayer and supplication with the women, and Mary the mother of Jesus, and with his brethren. There is a common misconception about the book of Acts that Paul is the author of the book of Acts. And while Paul is an important character in this book, he is not the author of this book. In fact, the author of the book of Acts is not even an apostle, but rather he is a physician. He is a man by the name of Luke. Luke obviously wrote the Gospel of Luke. He has a two-volume set. There's a lot of arguments on whether or not Luke was a Jew or a Gentile. There are good arguments on both sides, but frankly, no one knows for certain, neither does it matter. But here's what we do know. We do know that God allowed him to pen two of the larger books of the New Testament, that being the Gospel of Luke having 24 chapters and the book of Acts having 28 chapters. In fact, his two books are longer than any of the books that Paul wrote. Paul's longest book was to the church at Corinth in chapter 1 Corinthians, and it was only 16 chapters. So Luke was given a special privilege to write. One writer said the Gospel of Luke uh, records what Jesus began both to do and to teach in His human body. And the book of Acts tells us what Jesus continued to do and teach 
through His spiritual body, that being the church. The context of the verses that we have read this morning can also be found in Luke chapter 24, verses 49 through 53. And what Luke is doing in the book of Acts chapter 1, he is picking up where he left off in Luke 24. In Luke 24, he talks about how the Lord led his disciples as far as Bethany. He lifted up his hands and blessed them, and they ascended up into heaven. He is picking up in Acts 1 with some more details about that. He, he And on this occasion, Jesus is ascending back into heaven. He was on the earth for some 33 and a half years. And during those days, He was sinless. Amen. he done no wrong. He was strong. He had powers over disease, over death, and yes, over the devil. He was sincere. He showed His love and His compassion to those. He was scorned. He was sacrificed. But I'm glad as we celebrated on resurrection morning, He was successful when He got out of the grave. And now He is returning back into heaven to sit at the right hand of His Father. Thus in the verses that we have read this morning in Acts chapter 1 verses 1 through 14, I want to preach on this thought. The day that Jesus went back home. I'm thankful for the day that He came to earth. In Luke chapter 2, when He was born of a virgin, this is a true, a faithful saying. And worth all acceptation that Christ Jesus came into the world to save sinners of whom I am chief. I am thankful that He came that first time. But I am also thankful that He went back to heaven. That may sound odd, but Brother Floyd Perry preached it here back in September. Jesus said, if I don't go away, the Comforter will not come. He said, it must be. And aren't you glad? Even though He went away, He did not leave us comfortless. Uh, but He sent the Holy Spirit of God to indwell the believer. And why did He go back to heaven? He went to heaven to sit at the right hand of the Father to be our intercessor. Now let us therefore come boldly to the throne of grace that we may obtain mercy and find grace to help in a time of need. I'm glad this morning I have a representative in heaven. I have a mediator in heaven. I have one, a daysman in heaven. Uh, that looks at God and He looks at me and He is that one. There is one God and one man between God and man. The man, Christ Jesus. Buster Seaton said at Calvary, Jesus reached up and grabbed deity by the hand and He reached down and grabbed depravity by the hand and He brought them together at Calvary and He reconciled me to God and He went back to heaven. Now when I fail, I have somebody to call out to, to and ask for forgiveness. Now when I'm in a storm, I'm going to have somebody I can pray to uh, that hears my prayer that is concerned about my need. I would not have any of that had Jesus not went back home. He had to go back. There are some things in these verses I want us to notice. First of all, there is, on the day that Jesus went home, there was the confirmation of the resurrection. The confirmation of the resurrection. First of all, we know a little introduction in the book of Acts. There is the defined purpose in verses 1 and 2. The book of Acts and the book of Luke are written to an individual man named Theopolis. He is only mentioned in Luke 1 
and in Acts 1, we know very little about him. But here's what we do know. His name means a friend of God. And this little phrase, the former treaties, in Acts 1.1, he is referring back to his gospel, the gospel of Luke. So that indicates to me that Luke wrote his gospel, and he sent it to Theopolis, and Theopolis read it. And now he is writing the book of Acts, and he sends it to Theopolis, and to give him context, he said, what I wrote to you about in the book of Luke is the same Jesus that I am writing about in this epistle. Now, what was what was so great about Luke's gospel? What was so amazing about that? Well, Luke's gospel has been called the sinner's gospel, and here's why. The word sinner or sinners is found more times in the gospel of Luke than any other book of the Bible, some 16 times. But you know, if you'll also study the book of Luke, there is another word that shows up more times in the book of Luke than in any other place in the Bible. And it is the word forgive, forgiven, and forgave. 21 times. Aren't you glad there is more forgiveness than there are sinners in the book of Luke? But I'll tell you something even better about the book of Luke. It is the sinner's gospel. There is forgiveness, but there's only one word that is found in the book of Luke. It's not found in any other book of the Bible. It's not found in any other gospel. But God put it in the sinner's gospel. And here's what it is. And when they there come to the place which is called Calvary, there they crucified Him. Aren't you glad in the sinner's gospel where there's more sin, more wickedness, more heartache. Aren't, hey man, this blessed me in the airport last night. Aren't you glad in the sinner's gospel there is Calvary standing there in the middle. Hey man, there is forgiveness offered. And Luke says, I want you to know that one I wrote to you about in the book of Luke, he is alive. He is alive. He rose from the grave. There is the defined purpose. But in verse 3, there is the definite proof. Verse 3, to whom also he showed himself alive after his passion by many infallible proofs, being seen of them for 40 days. We understand Jesus arose from the grave. And for 40 days he would appear and disappear and appear and disappear to those disciples. And what did he do? Well, he, he was ministering. He was proving of the fact that he did indeed rise from the grave. I call it the ministry of the resurrected Christ. You know what He did during those days? He dried Mary's tears. Mary's standing there by the grave, and she can't find Him. She knows the stone's been rolled away, but she don't know where they've taken her Lord. But all of a sudden in the background, she heard Mary, and she said, Rabboni, which means Master. Hey, everybody called her Mary. Her daddy called her Mary. Her mama called her Mary. All of her friends called her Mary. Her Facebook profile handle was Mary. Oh, but nobody could call her name like he called her name. You know what she knew when she heard that name called? He's alive. He's alive. He dried Mary's tears. He delighted those disciples on the Emmaus Road. They're walking back from Jerusalem. They're discouraged. Their Savior is dead. But all of a sudden as they talked together and reasoned, Jesus Himself drew near to Him. But their eyes were holding that they should not know Him. And as they walked to communicate, He said, what, 
what meaneth these things? What are y'all talking about? And they said, Oh, concerning Jesus of Nazareth, which is a prophet mighty in God before God and all the people, and how the chief priests and the rulers have condemned to death. But we had trusted that it should be he that should redeem Israel. And beside all this, today's the third day since these things were done. Yea, and women also of our company were astonished when they, they, they talked about the tomb being empty. But notice this little phrase they said, But him they saw not. They're discouraged. They said he's died. Hey, we don't know where he's at. We know what Jesus said. They don't know it's him. He said, Oh, fools and slow of heart to believe. Ought not Christ has suffered these things and entered into his glory and beginning at Moses and at all the prophets? He expounded in them all the scriptures, the things concerning himself. You know what he done, those discouraged disciples? He took them to the Word of God and he said, See, this is how it's supposed to be. He was exactly who he said he was. He was exactly who he claimed to be. And they get to Emmaus. Amen. They get to Emmaus. And they invite him to come into their home. And they begin to break bread. And the Bible said that he was made known to them in the breaking of bread. I don't know how all that took place, but I can just imagine. Oh, Cleophas looked at Jesus and said, Sir, I appreciate you being kind and helping our hearts today. Would you mind returning thanks over this meal? And he says, All right, let's pray. And he reaches those hands across that table on that bread. And that robe comes back. And they see them wounds in his hands. And he begins to pray. And Colophus jumped up and said, I've seen seen somebody pray like that before. I've seen those hands before. He's alive. What did he do? He encouraged the discouraged. He also dispelled Thomas' doubts. Thomas didn't believe he was alive. Thomas did not believe he had rose from the grave. He said, I don't know if I blame Thomas too bad. There's a lot of fakes and phonies out there. Thomas said, unless I see, unless I touch, I will not believe. And you know what? I didn't find where Jesus scolded Thomas for that. I find Jesus showed up and said, Thomas, I'm alive. I'm here. Here, touch my hands. Here, touch my side. See, you know what he wanted to do? He wanted to dispel the doubt in Thomas's life. What else did he do? Well, he demonstrated mercy to Simon Peter. We don't know the account of this, but we do know in Mark 15, excuse me, Mark 16, that Mary was commanded by the angels to co tell the disciples and Peter that I am risen. Why did he specifically identify Peter? Because Peter has just denied the Lord. Peter has just denied him three times. But I'll tell you what Jesus did. He wanted to let Simon Peter know that failure is not final with the Father. And all we do is get a little glimpse in 1 Corinthians 15. Paul said, and he was scene of Cephas. That's Simon Peter. We don't know what took place. But I do know this. He comes out on the other side preaching on the day of Pentecost. There's no more doubt in his mind. There's no more denying his spirit. Why? Because there was an infallible proof. He knew that he was alive. I want to remind you this morning. I know it's not Easter Sunday. But aren't you glad we have a resurrected Savior this morning? We have many infallible proofs that he's alive. The fact that you have breath in your body. The fact that you have a family today, the fact that you have health today, or the fact that somebody saved your soul, gave you a Bible, gave you a church, gave you a family. He is alive! The infallible proofs. But then we notice the described preaching, verse 30, and speaking of the things pertaining to the kingdom of God. Let's, you want to get doctrinal for a second? Let's get doctrinal for a second. Jesus come in preaching what John the Baptist preached. Repent for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. 
kingdom of heaven and kingdom of God are two different things. Kingdom of heaven is a physical kingdom. Kingdom of God, according to Romans 14, 17, is spiritual. The Jews rejected the king so they didn't get the kingdom. The kingdom, kingdom of heaven and kingdom of God were running simultaneously during the ministry of Jesus. But when the Jews rejected Jesus Christ, God put a pause on that kingdom of heaven. And that kingdom of God continued. And so that's why it's important that Jesus began to speak and teach the things pertaining to the kingdom of God. He told Nicodemus, except a man be born again, he cannot see the kingdom of God. Romans 14, 17 says the kingdom of God is not meat and drink, meaning it's not physical, but righteousness and peace and joy in the Holy Ghost. He said, all right, boys, we're not going to a kingdom age. We're going to a church age. Amen. By the way, he always had the church in mind. It wasn't plan A didn't work, so now we've got to go to plan B. God don't have plan A and plan B. He just has a plan. That don't make me a Calvinist. That makes me a Christian this morning. He, ju- he knew they would reject him. He knew they would crucify him. He knew he would rise from the grave. And thank God he had the Gentiles in mind the whole time. Amen. And so we find boy, i got to hurry. We find in verses 1 through 3 the confirmation of the resurrection. I'm talking about the day that Jesus went home. But then there is the command that was relayed. Verses 4 through 8. The confirmation of the resurrection, but the command that was relayed. Verse 4 and 5. There is the direct instruction. Verse 4. And being assembled together with them, commanded them, they should not depart from Jerusalem. But wait... For the promise of the Father, which saith he, ye have heard of me. For John truly baptized with water, but ye shall be baptized with the Holy Ghost not many days hence. Our Lord's command to these disciples was, wait. We heard about that Wednesday night, didn't we? The, tra- the, the task and the trials and the trails that lay before these apostles would not be easy. So they better wait on God. They needed the wait. Now don't let this word baptize confuse you here. When you see the word baptize, don't automatically think that water is involved. Because John the Baptist come preaching and said he's going to come baptized with fire. Ain't no water there. This word baptize here talks about, it does give the idea of immersion, but it also gives the idea of overwhelming. In other words, it is speaking about them being filled with the Spirit of God. We are commanded in Ephesians 5.18 not to be drunk with wine where is excess, but be ye filled with the Spirit. He said, you better not try to go do anything for me without being filled. And if the, and if the apostles, if the apostles, Brother Tony, that saw the bodily resurrected Lord Jesus Christ were commissioned and were commanded not to go do anything without being filled with the Spirit, how much more should you and I in this church age have a need to be filled with the Spirit of God. We notice the disciples inquiring in verse 6. When they four were come together, they asked Him, saying, Lord, will Thou at this time restore the kingdom to Israel? And they just didn't get it. They're still talking about a kingdom. They're still looking for a kingdom. That kingdom is the millennial reign of Christ after the rapture of the church, after the seven-year tribulation period. There will be a 1,000 literal physical reign of Jesus Christ on this earth. That's what them Jews were wanting. But they rejected the king and crucified him. He said, so we're not dealing with the kingdom age. And I'm not being rude this morning, but we're not building a kingdom. I mean, and I'm not, if you, there's 
I'm not being critical, okay? But you've heard people, Lord, bless this album, use for the upbuilding of thy kingdom. He ain't going to. Because we're not in the kingdom age. We're in the church age. Amen. We're not building the kingdom. We're laboring in the church. Somebody said, we've got to do this for the, well, this is kingdom work. No, this is church work. Amen. We'll get to the kingdom. Amen. We'll get to the kingdom. Y'all with me now? I, I've been here long enough. You know what I believe about that. We'll get to the kingdom when the king gets here. But he ain't here yet. But the church is here. The body is here. And, I, and he's going to give us our job here. We're going to get to it just going verse by verse. We're going to get to our job being a witness. But they just didn't get it. You know what them Jews couldn't see? They couldn't see Jesus. Bring in a bunch of Gentile dogs. They wouldn't even spit on. Oh, but he always had us in mind. You better thank God he had the Gentiles in mind. We were ex, we were, we were aliens from the commonwealth of Israel. We were on the outside looking in. But you know where Jesus Christ was crucified? He wasn't crucified within the city. He was crucified on the outside. Where the Gentiles were. Where the lepers were. Where the outcasts were. They led to the outside of the city. Hey, man, aren't you glad he loves the outsiders? There's the divine information in verse 7. And he said unto them, It is not for you to know the times or the seasons which the Father put in his own purpose. They were more concerned, listen to me carefully, they were more concerned and more interested in what they didn't know than acting on what they didn't know. Sound familiar? We want God to tell us everything we don't know instead of believing everything we do know. Help me now. Come here a minute. Help me now. We want, we want God to tell us all these things we don't know instead of acting on things that we already know. He, they're, they're, they just didn't get it. He said, it's not for you to know the times and seasons which the Father put forth in His own power. He, you know what He said? It ain't your business. It's God's business. It helps us all to realize there are some things in this life that just ain't our business. It's God's business. There is the declared imparting, verse 8, but ye shall receive power after that, the Holy Ghost has come upon you. He said, I'm going to tell you what you need to do. You need to wait. You need to be filled with the Spirit of God. There's the, I'm hurrying because I want to get done. There's the distinct identification. Verse 8. And you shall be witnesses unto me, both in Jerusalem and in all Judea and in Samaria and in the uttermost parts of the earth. Notice what he called them. He said, you're going to be witnesses. Now, I'm not being hypercritical. But I like this term witness over soul winner. Particularly because it's in the Bible. <laughs> Proverbs 11 where it talks about he that wins souls and why is why, he that wins souls is wise. It's not talking about going door knocking. It's talking about Solomon teaching Rehoboam how to be a good king. Who was Solomon winning to the Lord in Proverbs 11? Context messes up a lot of things. I'm not throwing stones. If somebody comes here and preaches on how ought to be soul winners, we know what they mean, okay? But here's what Jesus said. He said, you're going to be witnesses. Do you know words are important? Especially words in the Bible. You know what that word witness means? You get your Webster's 1828 dictionary. Here's the first three definitions of the word witness. Here's the first one. One who knows of an event... In other words, a witness is somebody that knows about something that happened. Are, are you picking up what I'm laying down? You know what we're supposed to be? We know about something that happened. And it took place on a hill far away. We know of an event. We know of something that happened. But then, a witness, the second definition, is one who has evidence. 
Not only does he know something happened, but he's got evidence that it happened. Are you hearing me now? Amen. A born-again child of God is the evidence, is the proof of a changed life. You want to hey, you want to get somebody to God? You go be a witness. You go say, I know of something that happened. But better yet, I'm the evidence. It happened to me. It changed me. I'm not what I used to be. But then a witness is one who is an eyewitness. Meaning... He saw the whole thing take place. Now, was I there when Jesus died? No. Was I there when He rose from the grave? No. Oh, but by faith in the Word of God, I am there. One writer said, no, I did not see Him open the blinded eyes, but I saw when He opened my eyes. No, I did not see Him cleanse the lepers, but I was there when He washed my sins away. No, I didn't see Him heal the sick, but I was there when He made me whole. No, I didn't see Him raise the dead, but I was there when I passed from death on the life. I am an eyewitness of what Jesus has done for me. And I believe the Word of God is specific when He told those early apostles, you're going to be a witness. You're going to tell that event. You be that evidence. And you let them know, I was there when it happened, so I guess I ought to know. Amen. Now, I ain't throwing stones that nobody used the word soul winner. So don't get me, don't, don't, don't lump me in that. I just like Bible words. Amen. So, watch this. Number three. And I'm hurrying. i got six minutes. The confirmation of the resurrection. The command that was relayed. There's the comfort that reassures. I'm talking about the day that Jesus went home. There's two things in this comfort that reassures. First of all, in verse 9, there is the miraculous ascension. And when He had spoken these things, when He said, you're going to be witnesses, and you go out and you tell everybody, while they beheld Him, He was taken up, and a cloud received Him out of their sight. Boy, if there was any doubts... If he was really alive. If there was any doubts that he was Jesus Christ, here he goes, ascending up into heaven. Can you see him? They're watching their Savior go. I mean, they followed him all their, all these three and a half years. They've sacrificed everything. They've watched him defeat devils. They've watched him calm storms. They've watched him feed the multitudes. They've watched him do all these things, but now their best friend, the one they've loved, they watched him walk up Calvary's hill, whoop death, hell, and the grave, come out on resurrection, morning saying I'm he that was living and was dead and now behold I'm alive forevermore but now he's leaving them the miraculous ascension but that's not the only thing there there's a major announcement look at verse 10 and while they looked steadfastly toward heaven as he went up behold two men stood by them in white apparel which also said ye men of Galilee why stand ye gazing up into heaven this same Jesus which is taken up from you into heaven shall so come in like manner as you see them go into heaven their hearts are a little sad they're seeing them go away but here's a major announcement from the global world this ain't the last you've seen of Jesus Christ he is coming again. And aren't you glad honey, he's not going to send uh, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John to get us. He's not going to send the sons of thunder, James and John to get us. Oh, but no, he is coming. This same Jesus shall so come in like manner as you've seen him going to heaven. Now let's get doctrinal for a second again. Acts 1 verse 11, that coming is that Revelation 19 coming in the clouds. He said he's going to come in like manner. He went up in a cloud. Revelation 19, John said, I saw heaven open. And Jesus came out riding on that white horse, coming out of the clouds. 
at the rapture of the church, the Lord Himself shall descend from heaven with a shout, with the voice of the archangel, the trumpet of God, and we which are alive and shall be called up together. The Lord will not step foot on the earth at the rapture. We're going to be called up. But before there's Acts 1.11, I'm glad there's 1 Thessalonians 4, 16 and 17. We're going to be called up, amen, with the Lord in the air. But the hope and the application and the assurance we get from this verse, He's coming. He may come today. Will He find you ready? Are you ready for Jesus to come? I'm telling you, I'm glad I'm ready. I'm not saying I'm perfect, but I'm glad I know I've been born again, saved by the grace of God. Are you saved? If Jesus was to call for the church today, would you be left behind? Do you have a form of godliness, but denying the power thereof? Do you just have a form of religion? Do you just have uh, so, some little profession or do you have a possession? Amen. And when I say a possession, I mean does Jesus Christ have you? Are you hidden God and is Christ hidden you? Are you saved this morning? I didn't ask you if you a member of the church. I didn't ask you if you a good person. And I'm, I don't mean this in a smart way. There are good people in this building this morning. But good people don't go to heaven. Only saved people go to heaven. Only people who have been born again who have come to God by faith, taken God at His Word, and believed that Jesus died and was buried and rose again. Those are the only ones going to heaven when they die or when the Lord comes. Are you ready this morning? In closing, there is the confirmation of the resurrection, the command that was relayed, the comfort that assures, but then there is the congregation that remained. Two things, I'm done. We note their immediate response in verse 12. Then they returned to Jerusalem from the mount, which is called Olivet, which is from Jerusalem, a Sabbath day's journey. They did not delay and they were not detoured. They immediately responded with obedience to the Lord. And they went to the upper room and they did what the church has been doing since that day. They waited. They're waiting on the Lord. Their immediate response, but then their, involved, their involvement is recorded. Look, verse 13 and 14, I'm done. When they were coming again in the upper room... Were both Peter and James and John and Andrew and Philip and Thomas and Bartholomew and Matthew and James, son of Alphaeus and Simon and Zealots and Judas, the brother of James. That's the eleven disciples. Judas Iscariot then went out and hung himself. You'll read that later in the chapter. These all continued with one accord in prayer, supplication with the women, and Mary, the mother of Jesus, and with his brethren. Why is Mary in that crowd? Because at Calvary, Jesus told John, Behold thy mother. He told Mary, Behold thy son. Mary just hung out with them preachers. There's 120 in that room. What were they doing? Well, in closing, Luke 24 gives that context. And he led them out as far as Bethany and lifted up his hands and blessed them. He gave them instructions. And it came to pass while he blessed them, he was departed from, parted from them and carried up into heaven. Here's what they did while they were waiting for him. Here's what we ought to do while we're waiting for him. And they worshipped him. And they returned to Jerusalem with great joy. And they and were continually in the temple, praising and blessing God. And Acts 1.14 tells us they were in one accord in prayer and supplication. What should we do while we're waiting? He's went back in heaven. What should we do while we're waiting? Well, I'll do what they were doing. They were praising God. They were present in the house of God. And they were praying. Jesus went back to heaven. I believe that. But Jesus is coming again. Do you believe that this morning? I wonder this morning, if we really believed that Jesus was coming back, how different would we live our lives?
Somebody said, well, if I knew Jesus would come back at 12 midnight, I'd go run with a bunch of credit cards. Leave the debt for the devil to pay. I know we say that tongue in cheek. But I wonder, if you knew Jesus was coming back at midnight tonight, I wonder, would there be somebody you'd go to their house? You'd say, the Lord's coming. Would you trust Christ? Would you believe the gospel? I wonder if there's some things you'd get right in your heart with God because you wouldn't want to be ashamed before Him at His coming, John talks about. But I wonder if you're here today and you're lost, you've never been born again, would you get saved? Well, friends, we're not promised that the Lord won't come in nine minutes at 12 noon. We're not, I believe in the imminent return of Jesus Christ, meaning He could come at any moment. Will He find you ready? Are you ready to meet God? The prophet Amos gave the message to the nation of Israel. Prepare to meet thy God. Are you ready to meet God this morning? Are you saved? If you're not saved, you can be saved. Let's stand. I appreciate your attention. Heads bowed and her eyes closed. Brother Matthew is going to come play a verse of invitation. Perhaps a